The Posting Up Podcast is brought to you by T. Rowe Price. Are you looking to learn a thing or two about getting your finances in order, saving, and investing? Check out The Confident Wallet, a personal finance podcast series by T. Rowe Price and the Washington Post Brand Studio. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Posting Up, the Washington Post NBA podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bontemps, national writer for the Washington Post. Here with my man, Nick Friedell, in Oracle Arena in Oakland. Last time Nick was on the pod, he had several revelatory quotes about his various teams. And here's, here's the famous laugh coming. So now that he's back at Oracle again, decided to revisit uh, his squads and check in with them. So... How are you, man? What's happening? Timmy, my mom loved the headline from, uh, from posting up last time. It was like, Nick Friedel, if I were a Timberwolves fan, I'd be a little nervous right now. <laughs> and I guarantee you know who else surely loved that? It was my man, Tibbs. Who <laughs> was probably like, oh, no, this guy. Oh, But here we are again. The Timberwolves got run out of the, the building at times, understandably without Jimmy Butler. Right. Uh, but... Uh, you know, this is a team that is still halfway through the season trying to find their way in Minnesota. And well, let's let's get right to right to the conversation we were having before the uh, before the game. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, last time I was here, you said you were concerned about this. You were here. You were concerned about this team, where they're at. They've played much better since then. Um, but it seems like your overall opinion on the team has not really changed, no matter really how they've played on the court. They're going to go to the playoffs for the first time in 13 seasons. That is a huge credit to Tibbs and the players and the front office for putting this team together. When I watch them, though, and you and I have had this fight and a lot of our friends around the league have had this fight. I wouldn't even say fight, but discussion. The the back and forth. The back and forth. You know, I'm so used to the fights with Tibbs, quote, unquote, that uh, everything's a fight now. But, uh, uh, and those aren't even fights, just uh, the old back and forth. But, uh. I, I just don't see this Timberwolves team get at, getting out of the first round. Uh, I think that... And what's the biggest reason for that? Because I, I think a lot of people lump them in. It's kind of like people probably would say Golden State is clearly ahead of everybody and then probably Houston's in their own group. But then I think a lot of people think if they, if they played San Antonio or Oklahoma City, they'd, they'd at minimum be close and, and it'd be kind of a toss-up at, at worst for them. So what, so what makes you think that they're in another class below those kind of teams? I just don't think they're ready to take that jump. San Antonio, been there forever, guys that know how to play. Certainly a lot is going to hinge on how Kawhi is doing at that point. But that group has been there together before. Uh, same goes for Oklahoma City. I know that George and Carmelo are, are new to that whole deal, but Russell Westbrook has been in plenty of situations like that, and so have those other two guys. So I'm buying. I guess here's the key. If we're looking at the West right now, the Timberwolves have done, I think they've exceeded expectations up to this point. They're right on that fringe, the 3-4 range. I'm still buying more stock in Oklahoma City. Everybody was ready to, to throw them away a month or so ago, and they weren't playing very well. But I believe in a seven-game playoff series, that team with those three guys are going to find a way to at least advance out of the first round, which would mean if you're Minnesota or you're a Timberwolves fan, you really need to line up maybe in that 3-6 spot against a team like Denver 
or Portland, New Orleans, one of those teams. I, I think the Timberwolves have a much better chance against one of those teams than they do out of those four that we just named. Right. So essentially, if they can get to third, you like their chances, but you also don't like their chances of getting to third. Exactly. Uh, I, I just don't see them. When you take a look at their schedule, uh, they've got a lot of tough games here coming up the next couple weeks. Uh, Jimmy Butler, maybe he plays in the next couple days. Uh, maybe he has to sit out a couple more games. But, uh, Tim, as I've watched Jimmy over the course of all these years, this is a guy who gives everything he has on the floor, but when he sits, you know there's, there's something. And, you know, with a knee, a sore knee, <laughs> you know, people are going to be uh, stunned to hear this, but he did have an MRI. <laughs> the clip the clip of Nick laughing at Tibbs uh, saying perhaps to a question of an MRI is he definitely going to be in. <laughs> he may have had an MRI. Uh, it's definitely going to be in the uh, in, in the podcast po- uh, blog post for sure. Yeah, I, I, the fact that Jimmy's out with that kind of injury is now missed a week, and we don't know how much longer. That is just a really uh, it's a big red flag because knowing Tibbs he trusts Jimmy more than anybody else and he's going to be cautious with those minutes right when Jimmy returns but then he's going to play him 40 plus minutes again so that's not going <laughs> to that's not going to stop so right uh, I, I just I don't see if Jimmy can't play at that same high level and we'll see how he's able uh, to perform when he does return Towns very, very good offensive player defensively, still has a lot of issues. And Wiggins, to me, perfect example is tonight. Wiggins played really well these last couple games without Jimmy Butler. You're paying this guy $148 million. He was bad, 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 bad against the Warriors, uh, four for 18. Just a non-factor. When you're paying guys that much money to be difference makers against the best team there is, you can't allow that to happen, and that would be my fear going into a playoff series is that aside from Jimmy, I don't know, and Taj Gibson, but certainly not offensively, sure. I don't know who's giving you the consistency night after night. And that, I actually want to ask you about the two younger guys because that, that is kind of, to me, like you said, the difference, you know what Jimmy Butler's going to be. You know what some of these other vets are going to be. Jeff T's been in the playoffs. Jamal Crawford's been in the playoffs. Taj Gibson's been in the playoffs. But if you are going to buy Wolves stock, you've got to buy stock in Carl Towns, and you've got to buy stock in Andrew Wiggins. Now, Towns, from at least afar over the last couple months, has seemed to start to finally take some strides defensively. I wouldn't say he's anywhere near where people People think he should be, but he's definitely at least gotten better. Um, it, and it seems like uh, the Wolves are at least encouraged by what he's done at that end so far. Towns certainly in the, the last probably six weeks, he's shown more intensity on the defensive end. And he's certainly not where he, he needs to be uh, long term, but there's signs of growth, and that is a positive. Wiggins. And again, well, you just jumped to Wiggins. I mean, he, he's a guy that's very divisive around the league. Yeah. What, where, where are you at on him? Sounds like you're with the 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 the, uh, the naysayer portion of the of the of the league. Yeah, I'm I'm in the group that thinks that at some point, if you are picking between Jimmy, who Tom's going to have to decide if he's going to give a max deal to uh, a year and a half from now, Towns, who's going to get a max deal, and Wiggins. I'm in the group that says Wiggins is going to be the odd man out. Wiggins is the guy that you're going to have to move to get something back in return and and go with Jimmy and Towns, assuming that Jimmy wants to stay uh, and will take the extra year on the guaranteed money. 
Uh, Wiggins is a, a, a very, very talented offensive player. Defensively, there are still times when he just kind of goes through the motions. And there are other times, Timmy, where you watch him against, like, Toronto or you watch him against Cleveland or teams he really wants to prove something to. He can be dominant. We've seen that in the last couple of weeks. Then you play Golden State at Oracle, and he no-shows. And you go, mm, $148 billion? Ah, You know, it's something that uh, the Timberwolves and Tibbs and the front office is going to really have to look into because that cap situation is not going to be fun when you are paying max deals, uh, assuming, again, that, that Jimmy stays and, uh, and, and Towns re-ups. One of those guys is probably going to be gone, and, and that would be – not only am I not buying what I'm seeing now, that would be where it's headed. Well, and that's the final thing I want to ask you about them is is where where do you where do you see the the Jimmy Butler situation at now? Because he early in the year people kind of looked at him, his numbers were down, they weren't quite sure how things were fitting. He's taken off since then. He's really it seems like he's kind of taken control of the team as everybody kind of expected him to. Um, you know, you you've known Jimmy his whole career at this point. Where you know, kind of where do you think his head is at in terms of? This experience so far in 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 Minnesota and like where where this team is at with them. The best all around basketball I've seen Jimmy play, and and you mentioned it from the time he left Marquette. Uh, I've I've covered his career. Having said that, long term, and this is something you and I hit on a few months ago while we were here. I I just can't get a read yet on whether or not Jimmy wants to stay in Minneapolis with this group or whether he's going to look elsewhere and. Uh, there are a lot of people, when you, we talk to people around the league, that think that Los Angeles is going to have a lot of pull for Jimmy in the future. But, again... Well, I've heard the Wolves have some worries, not necessarily about Los Angeles, but just in general, like along the same lines. Like, they, they like a lot of people are not sure what he's going to want exactly. in 18 months. And, and if you're Tibbs, and this is why this part of the conversation is so fascinating to both of us. If you're Tibbs this summer, and I, I don't believe Tibbs is going to move Jimmy... Tom loves Jimmy, and and Jimmy respects the hell out of Tom because of all the stuff they've been through both this year and, uh, of course, in Chicago. But if you're Tom, do you go to Jimmy this summer and say, hey, look, like, where's your head here? Because are we are we in another situation where it's like Paul George to the Thunder? Uh, you know, if, if Jimmy says, well, you know, I'm just not sure. If he can't commit long-term to Minneapolis and to the Timberwolves, do you look to move him after the season? And then giving up the pieces they did, I mean, that that would be a, a hard pill for a lot of uh, Timberwolves fans to swallow because you're looking at Markkinen playing very well in Chicago. Chris Dunn has found his way with the Bulls, and then Zach Levine's just come back, and he looks like he's uh, finding his stride again. So uh, the, the, the key here to me is a friend of ours, Bobby Marks, uh, who – is uh, the salary cap guru? You got you. You did a really nice story about this, the the Wolves situation with him. Uh, you know, he gave you a bunch of information a couple couple. I guess probably a month ago now. It's a really good look at the whole the whole encapsulation of where the Wolves are at financially. And and Bobby's point uh, at ESPN.com was: Look, any team can give Jimmy a four year max extension. This is again, this is a year and a half. The Timberwolves can guarantee the fifth year. And Jimmy Butler at age, at that point, 36, 35, 36, is he going to pass up 48-some-odd guaranteed million dollars in that last year? The flip side of that question, is Tibbs going to offer that as the basketball czar of Minnesota? 
And is he going to say, well... well... I can't imagine there's a scenario that Tibbs wouldn't offer Jimmy a five-year deal, and, right? I mean, that would be the antithesis of everything that Tibbs is. Exactly. And, and, and Tibbs loves the fact that Jimmy is there for a litany of reasons, right. but that he is the physical embodiment of all that... The the Tibbs aura. If you could if you could pour if you could pour if you if, I mean that's quite a statement. But if you if you could put like if you could if Tom Thibodeau could create an NBA player, I think he would create Jimmy Butler. Not even a guy like LeBron or Kevin Durant. Like you said, like Jimmy Butler at both ends of the court is exactly what Tibbs wants a guy to be. Tibbs loves guys who have mental toughness. Jimmy Butler has mental toughness in spades. Right. And will his body allow him over the course of the next five, six years to play the same high level? We're going to see. Historically, it hasn't been a really good look for anybody, aside from maybe LeBron, who plays at such an extremely high level for so long. But that is the biggest question. I Forget, are the the Timberwolves going to get out of the first round or not? Timmy, the largest question for that whole organization centers around Jimmy and his future, and it's it's a tough conversation that Tibbs uh, and Jimmy and his agent Bernie Lee and, and a lot of other people are going to have to have this summer as they get prepared for uh, what's coming next. All right, well, let's let's bounce to the other teams you, you're around quick. Let's start with Chicago. You mentioned the guys that got back in the Jimmy Butler trade. You know, uh, eight months ago, they were getting hammered by a lot of people for the trade they made. I, I think you and I both were kind of in the same place, which was we didn't like the fact they gave up the 16th pick in the draft. They should have kept that and drafted another young guy. You know, the Bulls claim that, that Tibbs was not going to trade for Jimmy Butler if he didn't get that pick. I would call BS on that. I think you would as well. So I, I would say that was a mistake. But setting that aside, the three guys that got back, Larry Markkinen, Chris Dunn, Zach Levine, early returns are very promising for the Bulls on that front. Been huge. And I'd add this to me in this uh, respect. I have been told repeatedly by the Bulls front office that deal does not get done. Oh, I've been told the same thing. I, and and just, just for, for, cl- uh, for clarity on all sides, yeah. repeatedly that deal doesn't get done unless the, the pick swap happens. So, uh, you know, who knows? The truth is always right. in the NBA somewhere right. in the middle. Right. But to, to the point, I absolutely, four months into this, think the Bulls won the deal. It's hard to argue. I mean, look, you said on this podcast a couple months ago that if Chris Dunn finds a shot, the Bulls are in business. Mm -hmm. And Chris Dunn has found a shot, and the Bulls seem to be in business. And even more, he's found confidence. And that comes through finding that shot, and that comes through uh, finding his place in Fred Hoiberg's offense I mean, marketing to me, he is so much better than anybody in the league could have projected at this point. Oh, no question. He's been, I mean, in a, in a year where there's been a lot of good rookies, he's been among the biggest surprises in a positive way. He's been, he's been great for them. Yeah, and, and as a quick aside, the, one of the biggest talking uh, points during Bulls games on press row is if you redrafted that draft right now, where does marketing fall? Because he sure as hell doesn't get to seven. Uh, is he in the top two? Probably not, because I'm still taking uh, Jason Tatum uh, and probably Donovan Mitchell one two. Uh, he's probably third. He's probably third, though. Yeah, and I mean you're, I mean you're, you're in the mix with De'Aaron Fox, with Lonzo. Um, you know, there's there's been a bunch of good rookies. Kyle Kuzma's been good, but I, I think, you know, to me, he probably is the third pick right now. If you go back, and so on top of all that, in the last week, here comes Zach Levine, and. Zach Levine is a very, very good offensive player. The question always, uh, and especially after watching the Timberwolves play again, 
is what kind of defensive player can he be? If he can be just a, a an average defensive player with the offensive skills he has, Zach Levine in the East in the next couple of years will be an All Star, and so that would mean. Oh yeah, no question. I mean his his combination. I mean he was already scoring close to twenty a game last year and Absolutely. shooting forty five percent from three. I mean he he can flat out score the ball. And right now with where the Bulls are at in this rebuild, he's going to get every opportunity to do whatever he wants. So yeah, he's he's going to take the uh, the Justin Holiday green light, and it's going to it's going to become the Zach Levine green light. It's like, like neon green uh yeah i mean that the bulls really did well for themselves i think they're on a very positive track they've hit the skids here the last couple games because dunn has been out as we're talking about dunn he's been out with a concussion took that hard fall uh, a week or so ago but they're on the right path and uh, and i'd add this quickly fred hoiberg got crushed uh, for the first couple years uh, a lot uh, by me as well. I mean, I, I just didn't think Fred was the right guy. I did not uh, think I'd be sitting here saying Fred Hoiberg would be back with the Bulls next season. Right. And I, I think uh, he's already gotten himself that far. No question. He'll be back for that fourth year. But uh, while I still have doubts as to long-term whether Fred is the guy or not, Hoiberg and his staff deserve a lot of credit because that team plays hard pretty much every night. And the key for the Bulls on top of at least at the beginning was to lose. key for the Bulls is... Those younger players are developing. Markkanen is better than anybody thought right now. Dunn is better. The fact that those two guys, and then here comes Miritich and Portis and all that craziness, <laughs> that they've played well. Fred deserves credit uh, for a lot of what's happened, uh, and that's the reason he'll be able to come back next year uh, and get the fourth year of that deal. If you enjoy this podcast and are interested in learning more about the NBA, you can get my weekly NBA newsletter, the Monday Morning Post-Up, delivered right to your inbox every Monday morning at 8 a.m. To do so, please go to wapo.st slash newsletter to subscribe. You'll get an original column from me, links to my work from the past week, links to work from both my colleagues at the Washington Post and other writers from around the web about the league, a viewing guide for the week ahead, and some dining and pop culture recommendations. Again, to subscribe to the Monday Morning Post-Up, please go to wapo.st slash post-up newsletter and start your week off right with everything you need to know about the NBA. Yeah, no, no question at all. He, he has been great. Now, you mentioned Miritich. We were talking about this before. Um, obviously, a weird situation with him, the, the whole, you know, getting punched in the face of Bobby Portis thing. You know, when we talked a couple months ago, I think you might have even said you didn't think he'd play another game as a Bull. He not only has come back, him and, Mir- him and Portis hilariously have been one of the better combinations for the Bulls this season. Uh, I know, I know, I think I know the answer to this because we talked about before the game, but uh, as, as there is a lot of talk about him getting moved somewhere, uh, what do you think the, the most likely landing place for him is, and is there any chance that he is on the team uh, past February 8th? I would be shocked. I'd be shocked if Nico made it past the deadline. But, Timmy, frankly, I'm still shocked that Nico and Bobby are coexisting. It, it is incredible. Two, there, there are four Bulls that are positive. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Archie, or Ryan Archidiacono has played 50 minutes. Uh, and then it's Nikola Miritich, David Nwaba, and Bobby Portis. Only the Bulls, baby. <laughs> Only the Bulls. Uh, you and I have seen a lot of crazy you-know-what over the years with this team. The fact that Bobby and, – and you want to know what else gets lost in the shuffle as we're going through the, the topics on this podcast. You know, I, I never would have thought I'd be 
stumping for Fred to get some extra credit. But this gets lost a lot nationally. Mr. Bontemps, Bobby Portis is playing some really good basketball. Yeah. He is one of the, the, the more solid bench guys now, almost in the league. Like, he comes in, he plays with energy, he does not want to be viewed for the rest of his life as the guy who knocked out of his teammate, and he is really playing well. And it is a credit to both of those guys, Miritich and Portis, who, for the record, still aren't speaking <laughs> Take it all off the floor. Well, it was it was incredible when Miritich <laughs> when Miritich basically said he accepted Bobby Portis' apology through the media the, the and TV didn't actually camera. accept it from him. It was incredible. Uh, they they really uh, people always ask, are they really not talking? No, they they're <laughs> really they're really not talking off the floor. But on the floor, there is a chemistry between those. In two guys. in three hundred and forty four minutes, I want people to understand this. In twenty three games and in three hundred and forty four minutes. The Bulls have an offensive rating of 116.2 when those two guys are on the court and a defensive rating of 101 when they're on the court. AR plus 15.2. To put that in context, the, the Bulls are basically the Golden State Warriors oh when Nikola Mirotic and Bobby Portis play together on the court. Yeah, I mean, it's a celebration, baby. <laughs> it's a party in Chicago. Uh, I, I wholeheartedly believe this. Everybody laughed when I said it, but if Dunn doesn't get hurt and they didn't trade Nico. No, I saw your tweet. I think they would be in the mix for a playoff spot. No question. Back half of that East is so bad. Well, and imagine, imagine what might have happened if he hadn't got punched in the face to begin with. And, and that was, see, but in in hindsight, the Bulls are so lucky, and I truly mean this. They are so lucky they lost all those games at the start of the season because the front office's whole goal was to get one of those top picks. And who knows where they land now? Are they going to be? But they would have had no shot at it then. No chance. And obviously, look, they have the young guys. That's good. But, like, ideally you have the young guys and you get one more young guy. Exactly. And so when we look back on this season, it will be a lot of positivity for the Bulls because Markinen is better done is better and they're gonna land with some kind of lottery pick we'll see where exactly it is but i i still believe miritich will be gone robin lopez may be gone by the deadline we'll see but the bulls are so lucky that all the events yeah. uh, led to them losing all those games at the beginning for those reasons because if not they would be right at the end of that playoff chase. Well, and the weird, the weird thing, too, in a lot of ways, they got lucky with Miritich getting hurt because in, in some ways, like the Celtics have gotten lucky with Gordon Hayward getting hurt. And obviously, the Celtics would rather have Gordon Hayward, but that opened up tons of minutes and opportunity for Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum to develop. And Lowry Marketing got a chance to start for day one, which he probably wasn't going to do. Um, it sounded like they are probably going to start Miritich at first because they did want to shop him around. And instead, Marketing kind of had to start, and he played great. Now he's been able to just play a ton of minutes and start from the beginning instead of having to ease himself in, which you know might have led to a whole another set of dynamics that would have been unexpected. No question. And Markkinen has gained so much confidence from that. Uh, the fact that uh, Miritich came back and played the way he did, and then you know we we mentioned Portis. Uh, looking forward, it all hinges on that first round pick. Who is going to cough it up? Is it going to be a three team deal? Where's it going to come from? I thought this deal would already be done. Whoever comes to the line and goes, hey, you know what, we'll, we'll make this happen, he'll uh, or they'll end up with, uh, with Nico. Uh, and, you know, is it Utah? Is it somewhere else? We'll see. But I would be shocked if he is still on this team in a couple weeks. You're, you're on the Bucks a lot. We'll wrap up with this. You're on the Bucks a lot. Uh, obviously, you know, Jason Kidd got let go on Monday. Um, 
Did, did that come as much of a surprise to you that that happened? And um, it, it, either way, you know, what do you, what do you, what was your take on kind of that whole situation and how it unfolded and, and why things got to this point? To me, I wasn't really surprised because it had been building. It felt like for at least a few weeks, the, the Bucks are underperforming. I think as an organization, they thought they were going to take that next step this year. It has not happened. Uh, obviously. Kid had a, a really nice relationship with Giannis. Uh, that's something to watch. But you and I have been talking about this all year. As I've watched the Bucks, and I've watched a lot more Bucks games this season than I ever expected to, Giannis is incredible. The rest of that roster, in my opinion, it's just not that good. It's not good enough to think that they were going to ever take that next step and that leap that they wanted to. So, uh, you know, they've got a really easy part of the schedule coming up. It's a nice part if you were going to make a change to do it. Nice time for it. But when push comes to shove, you know, it, it, it reminds me a lot of the Timberwolves in this sense. The Timberwolves have these nice young pieces. And they have Jimmy, who has played at an near an MVP level this year. Yep. Giannis, MVP level. He's the future. And they've got all these expectations with the new arena. And when you're not hitting expectations, coaches are usually the ones to go. Yep. Uh, but when when you are looking at these teams and going, all right, who who's going to get to the second round or who's going to make a real big push once the playoffs start? I don't see the Bucks, and, and this was in a bad East. I don't see the Bucks all of a sudden coming together. Chris Middleton, Tony Snell, Bledsoe, yeah, they're going to get Jabari back uh, at some point in the next month or so. But I don't think anybody knows exactly what to expect from Jabari because he's had the two knee injuries. So, And my issue isn't with – I think their top-end talent is good. Like, I think those guys you named – and maybe not Snell, but, like, Bledsoe, Snell, Middleton, assuming Jabari gets healthy, Jabari and Giannis, mm-hmm. that's a five you can roll with in crunch time that can do a lot in the playoffs. The problem for me – is 6-15 to 15 is not great. Like, Malcolm Brogdon is fine, and, you know, like, guys like Sterling Brown have been okay, but, like, you, you get past, like, mainly Brogdon, like 7-15 to 15 in particular, there's a lot of holes there. And a lot of money there, frankly, to guys like Tom, John Henson, Della Vidova, Mirza Toledovic, who's now got this embolism thing. Like, they, they've got Thon a lot of money. Really Thon, has yeah, Thon Maker hasn't taken a step this year. Um, there, there's a lot of guys there that are a lot of dead weight um, in terms of them. You know, because, like, if, they, if you take their five with another solid three or four guys, like, then you're really talking about a team that can maybe get to another round in the playoffs. But even with Giannis there, you look at the rest of that roster outside the top three or four guys, it just does not look like a team that, that you would look at and say, like you said, that's a team that should be in the conference semifinals. Right, and, and now there's the added pressure, we're talking about expectations, of trying to find a way for Giannis to want to stay. They've got this... And, and remember, they're, they're, I mean, it, it sounds stupid to say, but they're three and a half years from him being a free agent. Right. Like, the clock, it, it's, it's kind of crazy to say, but the clock is already ticking it, on that. And, and don't you think for a second that they don't know it because he is the whole team. And, and when you have a young star like that, that's what happens. But, uh, Timmy, I was just there. They're building this gorgeous new arena downtown. Kareem was uh, there a couple weeks ago. And they're trying to, to rev up the energy, uh, both within Milwaukee, but all around the league. Like, we've got one of the best stars in the game. We, we want this team to take another step. I'm just telling you, I may be wrong, but when you watch that Milwaukee team, I don't care who the coach is. And Kid had flaws, certainly. I just don't see the talent on the roster that leads you to believe that they're going to be where they want to be. 
any time in the near future. It's going to take some major shaking up in the summer to make that. Well, and let let me end with this. You know, they obviously have to figure out what they're going to do with the coach. Um, You know, with Giannis there, that's a job you would think new arena. Uh, It's not far from Chicago. I mean, it's not a huge market, but it's still, you know, it's you could you could do a lot with that situation. I mean, do you do you expect them to go out and get a big time coach? Like, is your thought that they'll be they'll be spending a lot of money on a on a primo coach, a guy like Jeff Van Gundy, somebody like that kind of guy, like you said, to kind of show that they are a big market, you know, maybe not big market team, but certainly a team that's. You know, should be looked at as one of the up and coming teams in the league, or do you think do you think it's more likely that that that's not the direction they wind up going in? You know, the guy who sticks out to me, and I know there's there's been a lot of press about David Fisdale because it seems like he just got a weird deal in Memphis, uh, and you got Wade and LeBron tweeting, "Hey, what happened to my guy?" The guy who I think would fit really well in Milwaukee with Giannis is Monty Williams. Yep, that's I I think that would make a lot of sense too. Uh, he has such a great relationship with a lot of players but uh, absolutely Kevin Durant uh, Anthony Davis Anthony Davis in New Orleans like he has the demeanor I think uh, that, that would really work well teaching younger players on top of the fact that he got New Orleans to the playoffs and he had some success and you know he wants another chance to show that he can be what a lot of people in the league believe he can be, which is one of the the top-end coaches in the game. Well, and when you look back, too, a lot of people thought when he left New Orleans that team was going to take off, and it is not. And I think maybe in retrospect people look at what's going on in New Orleans and think that maybe, you know, I I think – you know, a lot of people maybe think maybe we didn't give Monty Williams enough credit for the job he was doing then. He is a guy that's really well respected around the league. And I think as you look at the, the teams that are successful right now, Monty has the demeanor, you know, our, our pal Tibbs here aside, you know, you look at the teams that are really successful, most of them fall into the Steve Kerr, you know, Mike D'Antoni, Brad Stevens, Dwayne Casey, Ty Lue kind of mold of like of the – A lot of calm in there. Well, a lot of calm, a lot of, you know – Fairly, you know, guys that have backbone to him. Like Steve Kerr has backbone to him, yes. but like these guys that they can turn it on when they need. Yes, to. and they they they're, they're they're guys that are good at relating to players. I had somebody yeah. I had somebody recently put it really well to me is that um, we we're talking about a college coach. It could be an NBA coach, and they said, "Look, it, the X's and O's don't matter in the NBA. It's about people. It's about managing people and managing relationships." And to your point, there's nobody in the league that is better liked as a guy than Monty Williams. And I think. For what Milwaukee wants in making a splash with this arena, making a splash with Giannis and a new team, Monty Williams is a name. Monty Williams is going to be one of the top top guys available this summer. He's working for the Spurs right now as one of their front office guys, but he is a guy that everybody is going to be interested in talking to this summer for their head coaching job. Very well respected and liked, and uh, you know. I think you asked me the last time I was on the podcast. You know, what do you see out of Jason Kidd? Is he the I watched them, and I'm still not sure, you know, which direction they were headed, uh, which is why I think they made the move. Like, could he have gotten better with more time and Jabari comes back? Sure, but they just – they're not playing really well. Uh, On top of hiring the right coach, they've got to change up the roster, though, because you and I uh, have been covering the league a long time, and we know that you can have the best coach in the world, the best system in the world. You don't have the right players – you're in trouble. And right now, in my opinion, Milwaukee doesn't have the players they need, not only to fit around Giannis, but to elevate themselves to really feeling like they could make some noise in the Eastern Conference. Well, and, and, you know, it's like Steve Kerr, right? Steve Kerr was so close to going to the Knicks Mm -hmm. and 
God bless Steve Kerr. He is a great coach. He's going to go to the Hall of Fame for the job he's doing with the Warriors. If he was with the Knicks, they would not have won 90% of their games the last or 80% of their games the last three and a half years. And, you know, and I think one final point on Milwaukee, uh, Jason Kidd is a guy who I know from firsthand experience knows how to nuke the bridges whenever he leaves everywhere. You saw that this week when he talked to your colleague Ramona Shelburne and, you know, leaked out basically what Giannis told him, which I know Giannis is not happy about. And I think in Monty Williams, you look at a guy who is the polar opposite of Jason in that respect. And I think when you kind of do the back and forth thing with you go from one coach to another coach, I think Monty also fills in uh, fills in that that bubble for them too. I agree with you completely. Uh, when push comes to shove, it makes a lot of sense. It would make a lot of sense. And uh, to the point about Giannis, Giannis has to be on board with everything because that's the way this league works with star players, especially right. young stars. Uh, but uh, if if he's rolling and that arena gets up and, and going the way they, they expect it to, uh, Milwaukee's future is still bright, but, you know, got to focus on changing up that roster because that is the key for everything else to fall into place. That sounds that's a good place to end. Uh, real quick, let the people know where they can follow you if they already don't, and and also pitch uh, you know pitch anything you got coming up you want people to look out for if you have anything. Yeah, follow me on Twitter. It's at Nick Friedel. Uh, I've got a few different stories I'm working on, uh, but the the one that uh, that I've spent a lot of time on is revolves around Giannis. And I've followed them for about four months. I've gotten to talk to him a couple times. I'm really fascinated. I'm, I'm going to, as we play this forward, be around the Bucks the next couple weeks a lot. I'm curious to see how he handles. Now, okay, you're the guy, and everybody expects you to be uh, this dominant figure all the time. How does he handle the transition right now from where they were with Kid to where they're going now? Do they make a move? You know, in season, do they wait? Who who knows how this is going to play out in the next few months for Giannis, but this is a turning point in his career no matter which direction it goes. And uh, as a superstar, young superstar in the league, it, it's a really challenging period for anybody. But for a guy who is so comfortable in that situation, this is a change in pace for sure. Well, it'll be fun to read. All right, man, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it, and I'll see you again soon. You got it, buddy. Thanks again to Nick Friedel for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. He's a great dude, great follow, uh, really does an awesome job between covering the Bulls, the Timberwolves, the Pucks, he does the Pistons some. He really bounces around a lot. It's a really tough job, and he he knows all those teams inside and out, does a great job. So definitely be sure to follow him and keep keep track of him, and especially keep track of his ridiculous uh, his ridiculous laugh in the background of Tom Thibodeau press conferences, which is one of my favorite moments of the year so far. Uh you can follow me on Twitter at Tim Bontemps. You can follow me on Facebook at Tim Bontemps MBA. You can find my work in the pages of the Washington Post or on our website at WashingtonPost.com slash sports. Please go find the podcast wherever you can find it. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, uh, TuneIn, uh, Google Play. Go go give us a five-star rating and review. It really helps us out a lot. Um, you know, it gets us up the ratings. People see it more. can get the get it out to more people. So uh, be sure to check that out. Go go check out some of the, the past few pods I've done. Did a Twitter mailbag. Did one with Dennis Canner from the Knicks on, on uh, Tuesday, which I thought was great. 
Um, you know, there's been a, been a few in a row recently that I've liked a lot. So definitely go check those out. Go go check out some of our other podcasts, like Constitutional, which I've been blowing through the last couple of days to try to catch up on. Uh, can you do that on, on President Trump? Uh, during the football season, check out Fantasy Football Beak. And if you're into politics, you can listen to Cape Up uh, with, with Jonathan Capehart, which, uh, you know, kind of talks to a lot of the newsmakers of the day and gets their insights on what's going on. It's definitely... Uh, we've got a lot of good stuff at the, at the post in terms of podcasts, and we're going to have more in the future. So be sure to keep, keep track of everything we've got going on there. Thank you again to my man, Friedel. Appreciate him coming on. Uh, thank you to all of you for listening, and we'll be back next week with hopefully a couple more podcasts. But uh, thanks again, and we'll talk to you all soon.